Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Home Wrecker Podcast. I am the Golden Greek, Alex Arion, and I am joined by my beautiful, lovely, amazing trophy wife, Monique. Hi. Hi. So how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty darn well, thank you. Phenomenal. Indeed. Fantastic. So before we get into this week's episode, we're going to do one of the things that I despise when I listen to podcasts is when they talk about something they're like oh yeah we'll we'll update you on that later on when we get more info or when we find out what happens with this and blah 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 whatever and then they never ever go back to it so I would like to follow up on things that we said we would update people on so we are going to begin by giving some updates on what we talked about on episode one which was Aliens. Aliens. Yeah, we we talked about aliens. So we did a poll on our Twitter and we asked, who would you choose in a battle, alien versus predator? Predator won by a landslide. Shocking. I know. I think that alien got maybe 1% of the vote. I'm surprised it got even that. What? Really? Yeah, really. I thought it would have gotten more, but Predator... Listen, head-to-head, alien versus Predator, Predator crushes every time. I agree, 100%. So I, I'm I just, surprised it got even 1%. Like, who the hell thought alien was people, better than Predator? People who love the alien movies, I would think. I guess. Mm. Ridiculous. So anyway, what else? So we did that poll, Predator 1, and then in episode 2, we talked about relationships. We talked about... Do you talk about how many people you've had sex with to your current partner? And we referenced the movie Clerks. And then the other night, we watched Mallrats. And we decided we're going to do an episode on Kevin Smith movies, just because they're awesome. Yeah, so that'll be coming at some point in the future. Mm-hmm. But we have to uh, we have to actually watch them all again. So yes. that we can, be, be, well, especially for me. Which I don't mind. Hitting the head so damn many times. Uh, it, it, it'd be good to just kind of refresh my memory a little bit. But yeah, we watched uh, we watched Clerks too. Yes. So yeah. Anyway, well, we won't get too far into that because that'll be another episode. Another movie you watched was Ghost Ship. Yeah, we, we watched Ghost Ship. We said that I told Alex we're going to watch that movie tonight, the day that we recorded uh, episode three. And we did. We watched it that night. What did you think of the movie? I thought it was actually pretty good. I was surprised at, that I that I did enjoy it as much as I did. I mean, it's not like the greatest movie ever or anything like that. It's but good, it, though. It was enjoyable. Yeah, it was definitely enjoyable. I, I think I looked on IMDb and it got like, I don't remember, it was something really low, like 20% or something ridiculous. And, you know, you obviously can't put too much stock into that because it's always other people's opinions. But I, I was expecting it to be a lot worse. And I actually, like I said, I kind of just enjoyed it well, it, was, it was fun i'm glad you enjoyed it and i'm curious has anyone else seen this movie are we the only ones let us know if you've seen it and what you thought of it well the people that rated it on imdb <laughs> thought it sucked oh. so and speaking of ghosts we uh, talked to my parents and they don't think the house is haunted so i wonder could it be well, well let's in, in case somebody's coming in for the first time <gasps> What are we what are we talking about here? Episode three, we talked about ghosts and I talked about my experiences growing up in my childhood home that I thought was haunted, which happened after I started using a Ouija board. Yeah, that was a if you haven't heard episode three, go back and listen, please, because that that story was a little wacky. Yes. So I talked to my parents and They're pretty, again, we had a video store. They've seen movies. My mom does not like horror movies. When she was a teenager, she went on a date to go see The Exorcist, and she was so scared that she made the date take her home. I love when she tells that story. (laughs) I think that's awesome. Yeah, so my mom is not into ghosts or anything like that. That's probably another reason why I never brought it up. But I asked my dad, I'm like, did you ever, anything weird ever happen? Did you ever see anything? And he said, no. No. He looked at me like I was the biggest asshole. He looked at you and said, you're crazy. You're nuts. The look on his face was so priceless. He looked at you like, this is my daughter. What the fuck's wrong with this girl? It was the greatest look I've ever seen from your dad. It was so awesome. My dad's awesome. It was like a look of like, 
what the fuck's wrong with yeah, you? Yeah, I was it, just going to say, what the, the fuck look, is wrong like, with what you? What the fuck is wrong with you? That was, that was the look on his face. It was fucking awesome. Yeah, Dad, if incredible. you're listening, I love you. <laughs> yes, Norm is the man. He is. He is the greatest. He's so awesome. Yes, he is. But it makes me wonder, could it be maybe it was a, a spirit attached to me? Well, how did you get it off of you if that's the case? I don't know. Maybe he got sick of me. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> All right. So, uh, anything? Anything else? Any other updates? Actually, I, I I have to be honest. So, please. One of the previous episodes, I talked about my working out and how I was motivated, and how every time I go to the basement, we have a gym in there. If I go down and get something, I'm gonna do a chin up. Yeah, that lasted three days. Just because we're all about the truth, being yeah. honest. Yeah. Can I can I have my truth now? Yeah. I'm disappointed. Oh, that hurts. It, it's like when your parents look at you and they say, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. And it yeah. kills you. I'm disappointed because you, you've only lasted three days. Come on. Well, I'm rushing. It's no excuse. I, 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 can't, I can't give excuses. But the look he's giving me right now, daggers in my heart. I feel horrible, terrible. I feel like a worthless piece of shit. Thank you. You should. Now I feel like I need to go start doing like 50 you, chin-ups. Yeah, why don't you just drop down and give me 10 push-ups right now? And she is. She's <laughs> she's actually getting <laughs> giving 10. I wish we... <laughs> this is why we need to be on video. <laughs> she is giving... She's doing push-ups. <laughs> Did it! Well, well done. All right. Woo. See? Don't you feel better now? Okay, good. All right, that was <laughs> did good. Did I make up for it a little bit? Uh, a little tiny bit, because you just got up and did it, so I good did. for you. I yeah. feel like Kevin from The Office. Yeah, I did it. Awesome. Uh, were there, were there, I can't believe that just happened. Were there any other updates? No, but there's some people we want to give some shout-outs to. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to uh, Mr. Mike Crockett from the wrestling podcast about nothing and uh, his co-host Brawler Malonis. Uh, two awesome guys. They've been uh, super instrumental in my wrestling career. They were big parts of it uh, when I was an active wrestler. Uh, and also um, with, uh, especially Michael with uh, helping out with uh, us doing this podcast. He's given us a lot of helpful advice. Oh, absolutely. They are at least to me, phenomenal human beings. When I started Chaotic, they were so supportive. Chaotic what? Chaotic wrestling. Yeah, remember. Sorry. Remember. Some people <laughs> not might not know what the know. hell you're talking about. When I started, when I joined Chaotic, tra- Chaotic Training Center and Chaotic Wrestling, they were so supportive of me, and I adore them both. And uh, Crockett, if you're listening, a five-pound bulk bag of mini-eggs will be on their way to your home shortly. Yes. <laughs> That, that's how we show love here. We send you bulk bags of mini eggs. Yeah, those Cadbury mini eggs. If anybody from Cadbury happens to hear this show and wants to sponsor us, that'd oh my be gosh. fantastic. Could you imagine? Now, that's a fucking sponsorship right there. Oh, absolutely. Jeez. I eat bags of these things. I was, And again, Crockett and I have joked around about starting a support group. But it's, some, it's quite disgusting. Sometimes I think maybe I really need one because I eat bags of them. Yeah, it's disgusting. In a sitting. It's awful. I get like the one pound bags and I'll just eat that. It's disappointing. In a sitting. And uh, it's impressive, damn it. <laughs> I mean, look at me. <laughs> that's, yeah, all right. That's, yeah, that's one way of looking at it. I also want to give a shout out to our good friend, Jamie Jamikowski. Yes, double J. He is Jamie the man. Jamikowski. Yes, an awesome, awesome guy. He also has, he has two podcasts. He does. Yes, the For the Pops and Let the Chaos Begin. So give those a listen as well. They're great. I listen to them every week they're out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, Jamie's just been, ever since I met Jamie back in 2006, just been one of my favorite people that I ever met in wrestling. Just a really, really good guy. Not only that, but for me, I've really looked up to him. He's somebody who... Just his personality, the way he is. He's somebody who can be very upfront, very honest, very direct. And for somebody who's always trying to sugarcoat things, 
I appreciate the hell out of that. And I look to him as seeing the way he talks to people that you can say no to somebody and you don't have to be a jerk about it. You can just be upfront and direct. And I really admire that about him. For sure. And he's also uh, another guy that helped us out as far as getting started with this podcast, answered a lot of questions, gave a lot of helpful advice. So uh, Jamie, if you're listening, we love you. And thank you. Uh, so was there any uh, any other updates, any other shout-outs? Oh, actually, yeah, one more shout-out. I'm sorry. Uh, also want to give a shout-out to Triple H Guy 2004, Mr. Stephen Page. Just want to say hello, and, and thanks for listening. Thank you for listening, and thank you for always making me laugh on Twitter with your replies. I, I enjoy it. Thank you. I've known Stephen since, I want to say, 2002. I, it could be even sooner than that, but I've known him for a long time. Good guy. He He's a sweetheart. So if you're listening, thanks. If he's listening. Of course oh, he's listening. We know listening. he's listening. Right. So let's talk about uh, this week. We're going to be talking about wrestling. wrestling. Not just any wrestling, professional wrestling. And how we basically discovered it, right? Fell in love with it. Fell in love with it. And... Uh, yeah, so I, I want to hear your story if we can first. How how once do you remember the first time you ever saw pro wrestling? Was it on TV? Yes, it was on TV. I don't remember the first match I ever saw, but I remember being a kid watching WWE or WWF at the time, and my brother and I would watch it. Oh, I loved it so much. We would move our couches and we take the cushions off and we would like make like the cushions the mat and we'd wrestle on the couch cushions and we climb up to the top of the couch and we jump off like dropping elbows jumping off the couch onto my brother my brother would do it to me and we would have so much fun wrestling I loved it and I think I've mentioned in episode one how my parents had a video store we would get the Coliseum videos, the the WWF, the yeah, WrestleMania, yeah, yeah those were awesome. and I, we would watch those all the time, and it was so awesome. I loved it so much. Nice, so, but you don't remember the actual first time or anything. Like, how old were you? Do you remember how old know. you were? I don't know. Well, guesstimate. I don't know. Maybe like seven. All right. Okay. All right. Yeah, it was probably maybe like seven. Yeah, I, I think I was probably about the same age. I may have been, may have been a little bit younger. Um, and I remember the first time I saw wrestling, I saw Hulk Hogan leg drop and pin the Iron Sheik and become the WWF champion. And now, I don't know if I watched it. It wasn't live or anything like that. It was it was on USA, so it must have been on a primetime wrestling or something like that. I think I stayed up late one night and just happened to be flipping through channels and that came on and I'm like what the hell is this what am I seeing what's going on these guys are fighting what the and it was just I was hooked from there just hooked and that would that would have been in 84 mm-hmm. so yeah I was probably about seven years old six seven years old awesome so awesome and it then, is and, and yeah pretty much been in love with pro wrestling ever since I I remember being a little girl. I was sitting in our living room and I was watching wrestling and my dad came in the room and I was like, Daddy, when I grow up, I want to be a wrestler. And my dad lovingly looked down upon me and then just had this most serious look on his face and said, No, you're a lady. Ladies don't wrestle. Your dad's the man. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the the look on my face went from so excited and endless possibilities to, huh? What? Why? I just, I wanted to be a wrestler. I loved it so much. When I was a kid, I wanted to go run through the TV and go like in the ring and help out the guys who I loved. I, I just wanted to be a part of that and go in and do it. Yeah, I I, I Honestly, I've had those. I I had those exact same feelings when I was a kid too. I mean, I think as kids, obviously, and I don't see that's the thing. It's it's weird. It's hard because wrestling has changed so much that, like, when our kids watch it now, I feel like 
I don't know, they almost don't get as emotionally involved in it as we did when we were younger. And I don't know if that's just because, well, I mean, I, I know why. It's because everything's evolved and changed since mm-hmm. we were kids. But yeah, I almost feel like that that strong emotional reaction isn't there as much as it was. But do you think every generation says that? Like, man, it was so much better when I was a kid. Uh, yeah, they do. But if you actually watch a wrestling crowd now and watch a wrestling crowd from back then, you can see the level of excitement is different. Mm. It's it's noticeably different. Save for some of the bigger shows, like if you're watch like in today's wrestling, you're watching NXT or WrestleMania or whatever, you know, something like that. The crowds were so much more alive, and it was is incredible to see. And and I mean, they would do that kind of stuff on like WWF superstars tapings. People would go nuts. You're looking at me smiling. I'm just I'm just going back, making the memories when I was a kid, like so. We'll get into this a little further ahead, but my dad um, was a police officer and he used to take my brother and I when WWF would come to the Lowell Memorial Auditorium, he would take us. And I was just thinking like, what the hell stopped us from like running in? Because when you're a kid, I said like, you just want to run in, you want to help your favorite guys. And back then it was, I mean, obviously it was more realistic to people and it makes me just wonder, like, what the hell stopped people from actually running well, in and getting involved? Because, like, you had so much passion watching it. Yeah, see, that's the thing, though. I don't think pe- people thought it was... I don't. People didn't think it was m- more real or anything like that. I think people have known it's a work for, I think, pretty much as long as it's been around. May- maybe, like, in the early 20s or 30s, when they first started working wrestling matches, maybe they didn't all know. I, I don't know. I feel like... The suspension of disbelief. Yeah. There was more passion involved. Yeah. And I think a lot of that has to do, and obviously there's a million different reasons why, but I think that just the fact that nowadays everybody knows and it's so in your face that it's a work and it's kind of, I almost feel like it's approached more so now by the people that are doing it as an art form as opposed to I'm a pro wrestler and I'm, you know, I'm a tough guy. Or that that whole mystique, that aura, is kind of gone. Some guys still have it, like Brock Lesnar, for example. And I even think maybe even Ronda Rousey had that a little bit too. But for the most part nowadays, it's, you you look at some of the guys and it's like, uh, all right, like you know, like yeah. some guys you look at and you're like, uh, I could probably beat that guy, <laughs> which. And, and and whether or not you could is not the point. It's what you perceive in your mind. And I think a lot of that mystique, the aura, the superstar quality that the guys from when you and I were growing up had, it's not really there anymore. And I don't know how you get it back or how you improve upon it, but I just feel like it's not there as much as it was. It's different. It's different. It, it is different. Mm-hmm. But... Think about it. If you ask somebody, do you know who Hulk Hogan is? Fucking almost everybody knows. Even even today, everybody knows who Hulk Hogan is. Yeah. You ask people, do you know who the Macho Man Randy Savage is? <laughs> Fuck. Oh yeah. Everybody. You know. Everybody <laughs> knows. And I feel like those memorable characters and the personalities, mm-hmm. it's just not as much as it was. I th- so. I wonder. I feel like we're missing more characters maybe that's it because you have people's personas but it's not maybe not as amplified as it was in the past I'm not saying like gimmicky characters I'm talking about just in general like it's more of like hey yeah I'm just like you with a good amount of people I think I don't know we're this kind of this wasn't really where I envisioned this pot this discussion going on this podcast but I think social media definitely has humanized not just wrestlers, but everybody. Mm -hmm. And now there's more accessibility. So like, for for example, when I was wrestling, I made it a point to not ever go out and sign autographs. Whether I was a good guy or bad guy, I didn't want to go out and sign autographs. Number one, I'm not a big guy. Okay. I'm not, I'm not tall. I mean, Whatever, I, I was in shape, but I'm not a tall guy. So I had to kind of protect that. I didn't want to expose that to people. Now, 
some would say, might you know, some listener might go, well, obviously when you're walking by and when you're walking to the ring, whatever. I never, when I first started wrestling especially, I never walked to the ring. I always ran out. I'd jump up and down. I'd try to get the crowd fired up. I never wanted to stand still because I didn't want people to see exactly how how short I was. It wasn't an insecurity or anything like that. It was all about creating an illusion and trying to present a larger-than-life persona. So I would never, I would try to get to the building either really late, not late like when the show started, but when the crowd would have, have already started filing in, and I'd always try to leave after everybody was gone. Didn't always happen, but I would try to be as incognito as possible going in and out of the building because I didn't want people to see me. And I always used to see all the other guys, well, not all, but most of the other guys would always be talking to fans and signing autographs and this and that. And I never really wanted to do that because I didn't want to take away from my any aura that I may have had. And granted, I was just a you know independent wrestler starting out, nothing big. I was no name or anything like that. But I still wanted to do everything I could to build that persona and get that aura. And I figured if I'm... And nobody told me this when I started. This was just kind of me, the way I was thinking. If I'm out there and I'm accessible and I'm just kind of hemming and hawing with the people, shaking hands, kissing babies, <laughs> you know, whatever other cliche you can think of, then I'm just kind of one of them and I'm not special. And the way that I always looked at wrestling was these guys are superstars. They're bigger than life. If You're not going to see them out and about with people you know, just kind of hanging out like, hey, what's up, Bob? How you doing? You know, so that's kind of, I don't know. I feel like the mystique and the aura of wrestlers, it's just not there anymore. Mm. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm completely misreading it, but I just feel like it's not there anymore. And I think, I really think that social media it has its place. Of course, it's good in a lot of ways, but I think in a lot of ways, it's kind of, it's got to ruin some things too. What do you think? No, I... I get what you're saying and I agree with you. Looking back to when we were kids, who was your who were some of your favorite wrestlers? My fi- my first favorite wrestler was Hulk Hogan. Uh, you know, right away, right off the bat. But I also I always liked Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Oh, he was like one of my favorites, but I saw him for the first time when he was in the WWF, not when he was at NWA or anything like that. I saw him obviously after when he was in WCW and all that good stuff, having those awesome matches with uh, Ric Flair. But uh, first time I saw him was in WWF. So it was always Hulk Hogan, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, the British Bulldogs, Macho Man. Always liked the Macho Man, even when he was a bad guy. But I was the typical typical kid. I didn't like the, the bad guys. I, I mostly liked the good guys, you know, except for Macho Man, like I said. And when he turned good, oh, it was awesome. It was the greatest thing. But yeah, those are the kind of guys. And Ultimate Warrior, he was one of my favorites too. Uh, the Rockers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was always like the typical babyface good guys that they were promoting and pushing back in the day. What about you? I, I have a handful that I loved. Roddy Piper. He, I, I, yeah. I adore him. I loved him. Still do. But he was just so great. He was funny. He was entertaining and he was, he could kick some ass. He was great. Macho Man. Loved the Macho Man. And Miss Elizabeth. Their story, like, and it's funny because I think of you and I sometimes in wrestling, like, Macho Man and Miss Elizabeth. Like, I want to be your Miss Elizabeth. With the exception of you locking me in closets during shows. But yeah, I, uh, (laughs) I, I just, I loved their story i thought it was great as as a girl big boss man he was awesome my dad's a cop so (laughs) we love big boss man and we actually have really cool stories about him and my dad again when i was a kid when they came to the lowell auditorium and like i like jake the snake i he had a snake i loved snakes damien i thought that was so cool and brutus the barber beefcake he was cool but the Undertaker. When The Undertaker came out, I loved him. And when I was a kid, I didn't get the name Paul Bearer. I just thought that was his name. Another <laughs> funny story. You can all laugh at me. I was a kid. IRS. I legit thought his name was Erwin R. Scheister. What do you mean? It wasn't his name? No. 
apparently not. Things you learn as you get older, you're like, wait a minute, that's not his name. Uh, tremendous. Yeah, you can laugh. It's okay. Yes. I, I liked the bad guys, though. Even with comic books and movies, I always liked the villains. Okay. Yeah. All right. Hmm. That's cool. Do you, rem- uh, do you remember when you stopped watching wrestling? Because I know that you, d- you didn't watch it all the way through. I think it was like a t- I was a teenager, maybe okay. like 18, 19. I was going to punk shows all the time. So I kind of invested my time more so in music. I was always at shows and listening to music. So I didn't really. So you kind of fell out of it for a little while there? I did. And then around the time when I was pregnant with my first son, I started watching again. So I was like, 2006 2007 oh wow so you you fell out of it for a I while did, yeah no kidding I, I mean I watch a little here and there I knew who some of the people were I think when I was a teenager when China was wrestling I was still watching them because I thought she was awesome as a female who loved wrestling it was it was a woman who was strong and she could she could hold her own with the guys And that's what I wanted to do. That's what I wanted to be. Because for those who know me personally, I'm like a poodle in a fight. Like you can knock me off, send me flying. I'm going to come right back at you. I've gone in fights with guys three times the size of me. And I just, I feel like it shouldn't matter if you're a man or a woman. You fight, you fight. And seeing a woman kicking ass, beating up guys, I thought that was the best. I loved it. And she was definitely someone for a female to look up to in wrestling. But after that is when I stopped watching. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I, I see. I just, I watched pretty solidly till I was about, I want to say, probably eleven or twelve, and then we lost cable. We got rid of cable in my house for a while, and with no cable, it was tough to watch wrestling. So I couldn't watch it anymore. And I think we about a year where I didn't watch wrestling, and then I got back into it right around ninety three, right around WrestleMania nine. So I I fell out of it. I didn't see. I saw uh, every WrestleMania up until uh, seven, and then I missed eight, and then right around nine is where I came back in because I remember getting cable about two weeks before WrestleMania nine, and then ordering WrestleMania nine. And seeing it on pay-per-view. And then pretty much ever since. Yeah, I think we've watched all the... Yeah, I haven't missed anything really since. Yeah. I mean, I ha- I've... Yeah, yeah, WrestleManias, I've seen every WrestleMania. But I think we've watched almost every pay-per-view. We try to. Yeah. But yeah, it's... Uh, it, they're so much longer now. Th- that's what's really hard for uh, me watching wrestling is... Raw is so long. Really, I'm really feeling old talking about all this. <laughs> well, so, because like I'm really we get aging up, myself. We have kids. We get up early in the morning, so to stay up late is hard. And the oh, the WrestleMania this past year, it was just it went on for so long. It went on for so long, and it it was so hard for me to stay awake. I'm an old lady. My friends tease me. They call me an old lady because eight o'clock, I'm in bed. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, WrestleMania this past year was what six hours, seven one? hours, seven I think. hours, something like that. So yeah, but, I mean, yeah, it's it's once a year, so yeah. whatever it we is, do what it. it is. Yeah. Do you, do you have any other fun wrestling stories from when you were younger? Sure, I have some fun childhood memories I can share. As I previously said, my dad was a police officer. He would take us to the Lowell Memorial Auditorium when WWF came to town. After the shows. He would bring my brother and I home and he'd go back and he'd hang out with the wrestlers. I used to get so upset because I wanted to hang out with him. I was like 10 and I was like, why can't I go and hang out with them? And my dad's like, it's past your bedtime. You got to go home. But I get it now being an adult and understanding how things work that wrestlers did not want to hang out with some 10 year old girl who was a fan. Uh, after a show but my dad used to hang out with them and he would take him to a diner in Lowell and he actually hung out with Andre the Giant and what do you say the guy ate like 12 steaks <laughs> a dozen eggs he drank like all like the wine in the bar 
the the man could put it away. He would right. he would tell all these awesome stories about the wrestlers, the big boss man. He one night they came and the big boss man asked if he could use his handcuffs. So my dad's like, sure. And he's like, yeah, come on out and you can help me handcuff him. And my dad couldn't because he was working. But he let him use the handcuffs. And then they actually, he, he talked to him about joining him and being a tag team partner. And I just remember thinking like, oh my God, you need to do this. And then I'll be a wrestler. And then we can wrestle together. Again, little girl mindset who loves wrestling. But I, I was like, that would be great. He obviously didn't, but... Yeah, how come your dad decided not to? And he knew that if he got hurt wrestling, that's it. Whereas he has a good job with benefits, and if he got hurt working as an officer, you're covered. You get hurt working WWE or WWF, that's it. Right, you're out yeah. of luck. Yeah, makes sense. A responsible adult. Indeed. Of course, me thinking as a child... What the hell? Be a wrestler. That's awesome. We can do it together. When I was younger, my dad, uh, my mom and my dad owned a restaurant and Ted Arcidi, I don't know if you ever heard that mm -hmm. name before. Yeah. He used to come in and get order like a dozen loosely scrambled eggs and stuff. And I would I would sometimes go out and bother him and just kind of ask him questions about wrestling and stuff. And he would always be like, ah, it's a, that's a shitty business kid. You know, <laughs> I, he, he only lasted a couple of years, but, uh, you know, he... Used to come, you know, like I said, he's coming to my dad's restaurant all the time. And um, he also had another friend of his. His name was John, uh, John Genus. And he was a journeyman wrestler back in the late 60s, early 70s. Huge guy, big guy. And he would always come in and, you know, talk to me. And I would always ask him questions about wrestling. And he'd always be like, oh, you're too small. You're too small. You can't, no, 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 no. You, you get killed. You're too small. And I'd always just be like... I don't know. He would always tell me I was too small, but I was never, I never let that, you know, sway me and never, never let it uh, dissuade me, I should say. I always, that's what, as a kid, I always wanted to be a wrestler. I'm like, no, I'm going to be a wrestler. I don't care. Too small. <laughs> it, I wanted to be a wrestler so bad that it didn't matter what anybody said to me. I mean, this is a guy that was, that was doing it, you know, like he used to wrestle. He, I mean, he was around when Bruno San Martino was WWF champion, and I mean, this guy who's who's done it is telling me you're too small, you you'd get killed. That didn't didn't allow it to deter me in any way. I didn't care. It's like eh, I'm gonna figure out a way. Good. I'm gonna do it, and I'm glad but, you did. Yeah, me too. Yeah, that that was that was kind of experiences that I had early on with wrestlers, but I never actually saw any live wrestling. Until 1994, and myself and my childhood best friend actually ran away from home. Uh, yeah, we ran away from home to see the Royal Rumble in Providence, Rhode Island. I was 14. My best friend, I think he was 13. He was, he was about a year younger than me. And we did the old, I'm going to sleep over your house, and... You're going to tell your mom you're sleeping over my house, you know, t tell each other's parents we're sleeping over each other's house. And we each bought, we bought bus tickets and we took a bus down to Providence, Rhode Island. What year was this? Uh, 1994. Wow. Yeah. And we watched the Royal Rumble and we didn't have any plan as far as... <laughs> looking back it's amazing i'm sitting here right now and i didn't get killed so we we took a bus we rode our bikes down to the bus stop the bus station in, in where we lived and it was about an hour bus ride to boston we got off in boston and had to jump on another bus to providence from there we didn't realize that you have to switch buses <laughs> We didn't know. We fucking, we're kids. We've never fucking done anything like this before. It's not a nonstop. Yeah. No, we thought we were just going to get on a bus, go sit on it for a couple hours and come back. We, we didn't even know how far away that was. You know, we just, we knew that Rhode Island was in New England. <laughs> we lived in New Hampshire. So it can't be that far. It's got to be just maybe two hours away, we thought. Well, when you're taking a fucking bus, it's a little bit longer than that, especially when you got to stop in Boston, get off the bus, and get onto another bus. Now, when we stopped at the bus station in Boston, we were just kind of sitting there. The bus driver had to tell us, okay, okay, you got to get off. 
And we were like, what, what do you mean? We're going to Providence. We're, we're going to Providence. Why are you stopping here? Aren't we going to keep going? We had to get off. We went to the bus counter. I remember this like it was yesterday. I had to go to the bus counter. And then they told us where you have to get on this bus over here. They tell us the bus number. We go to that bus. We get on the bus to Providence. So we got to Providence probably around noontime. And the I don't think the doors to the arena opened until... Geez, maybe four thirty, five o'clock. So we have all this time to kill. Not don't really have a lot of money on us. We we actually we we had saved up some money. So we had maybe about a hundred dollars between the two of us. And we thought that'd be enough for a hotel. Not realizing that you gotta be eighteen to get a hotel room, you need a credit card, all that we didn't know any of that stuff. So we went down there with a hundred dollars between the two of us and we, like I said, we get into Providence. Not a damn thing to do. We killed time by jumping on another bus and going to the mall. So we walked around the mall, whatever the mall is in Providence. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> yeah, well, we we, yeah, it, we were walking around that place for a few hours. And then we... Did it have carpet when you were there? Do you remember? Because when I went, it had carpet. It was so weird. A mall with carpeting. I That I don't remember that detail. Sorry. No, I, I don't remember. I just remember it was like... Oh, this is not any better than the mall back home. It was whatever. So then we get back on the bus, get to the arena, and get inside, and we watch the show. And we got hassled by security because we we each had backpacks with us, with our clothes, because we, you know, (laughs) we figured we're going to stay overnight (laughs) because our bus ticket wasn't for uh, until the next morning, the bus ticket back home. So we watch the show that's the first time i've ever been in a in a an arena setting like that what kind of seats did you have they were shitty cheap seats i mean they were they were nosebleeds but it was still awesome you know because and i remember i told you earlier i as a kid i always wanted to be a pro wrestler it was sitting in that arena and sitting in that crowd and feeling the energy of the crowd and just being a part of that that's when i knew this is what i'm going to be I'm going to do this. this. That's when I knew for sure. Yeah, this is this is definitely going to happen. I'm doing this. No question. So after the show was done, we were fortunate there was a hotel. I don't know if it's still set up like this or not. I, I know that they've changed the name of from the Providence Civic Center to the like Dunkin' Donuts Center now I or something. So, it might, yeah. might even, even change from that. But there was a hotel that was pretty close by. I think it was right across the street from the arena. So we walked over, we were walking through the lobby and we were, we were trying to wait as late as we could because I, I think my, my buddy Nick, he said that uh, if we waited a little bit later and we got to the hotel later, we could maybe get it cheaper. I don't know where he got this idea, but it was just, and I was like, okay, yeah, sounds good. I, you know, Again, stupid kids looking back. And so we waited in the lobby of the Civic Center and... A security guard came up to us and asked us if we were okay, if we needed help. And we said, no, we're good. We're just kind of waiting around. We're, and he's like, well, where are your parents? Oh, they're they're around. You know, we're just kind of waiting. And, and he, he obviously could tell we're bullshitting him. So he told us, he said, listen, are you going somewhere? Because do you see that group of kids over there? And we look behind us and there's like probably five or six kids wearing, you know, gang, you know, Oakland Raiders stuff. They were obviously a gang. And uh, we said, yeah. He goes, well, those kids are looking at you, and they are going to beat the shit out of you. So why don't you walk with me, and I'll take you where you need to go. Where are you going? And so we told him, well, we're going to the hotel. We need to get a, we need to get a hotel. And so he said, all right, I'm going to take you across the street. There's a hotel. You walk with me. You stay close to me. And we're like, uh, okay. Bless yeah. the heart of yeah, that security guard. I, I'm telling you. Let me tell you, th- and you'll you'll hear even more. We were, somebody was looking out for us. Without question, I, what, I don't know what you believe in, but somebody or something was looking out for us because we were oblivious, we had no clue. We be, were being followed by this gang of kids who was looking to jump us. I don't know, steal our backpacks, whatever. And like I said, we didn't have much money, but I mean, hundred bucks between the two of us. I guess that's a score for a gang, you know. But uh, that was it. We had that. We had our bus tickets on us, and we had clothes to sleep in. That was it. He walks across the street to the hotel. And he says, all right, you guys stay out of trouble. And we're like, oh, thank you, sir. Thank you. And so we're in the hotel. We walk up to the counter. We're like, yeah, we'd like to get a room, please. 
And the guy working behind the counter looks at us like, okay, do you have a credit card? We said, no, we have money. And he's like, okay, well, you need a credit card. And we're looking at each other like, but we have money. How much is a room? So he tells us how much of the room is. It was like $80 or something like that, whatever it was. But we had enough. And we looked at him and we said, well, we have enough money. Can't we just give, pay you money? And he said, no, you need a credit card in order to get a room. And we're still baffled. Like, I have money. Why can't he just give <laughs> just me the- Just take my damn money. Just take my money. Give me the room. <laughs> and so the guy like took the time and explained why he need, why we need a credit card, if we made any charges to the room, room service, long distance calls, whatever, all that kind of stuff, pay-per-view movies. And he explained the whole thing. It's still- in our little minds didn't make sense, but at least it was an explanation more than you just need a credit card. So he, we told him, we, we came clean with him. We said, look, we're by ourselves. We have nowhere to go until I think it was seven o'clock, eight o'clock in the morning when we have to get to the bus station to take the bus back home. What time is it at this point? It's like 1130. Okay. Yeah. So, so uh, he he kind of takes pity on us and and we asked him we said well can we just can we stay on the couch just wait here till the morning because the bus station was like right across the street yeah so everything was right there and he said oh, I can't let you stay there he's like well, if if it's if it's just me yeah fine I'll let you guys stay there but I'm leaving in about a half an hour and the next person's coming in and I don't know what they're gonna say they might say no and you might have to leave. So we were like, uh, okay. So we're just kind of like, we don't know what to do. We're, we're fucked. You know, we have no clue what to do. So this guy, again, bless him, he took pity on us. And uh, he said to us, he said, all right, listen, this is what's going to happen. You guys have nowhere to go. You can't get a room here. We'll lose our jobs if we give you a room. Here's, here's what we're going to do. He's like, you guys can come stay with me, and I'll bring you back here in the morning and get you to the bus stop. And so Nick and I are kind of looking at each other like, uh, well, uh, you know, because this is a fucking guy. We don't know who he is. Yeah. No fucking clue. And so. You're going to come with me. I'm going to sell you on the black market. <laughs> You're going to be somebody's pet for the rest of your life. Yeah. Look, at, look Looking at it now, it's like, yeah, I mean, that could have easily happened. So again, somebody was looking out for us. And so this guy, so we're like, all right, it's either that or get kicked out on the street where we're going to get fucking beat up maybe killed by the gangs you know whatever decisions decisions yeah, yeah right so, <laughs> we we said okay we'll, we'll come with you and, and nick and i were both obviously scared to death you know we were like uh, all right but we figure you know we're we're tough kids we'll 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 you know look out for each other we'll make sure nothing happens it's two of us one of him fucking looking back at it now it's like yeah come on i would have <laughs> smacked one of us and we'd be done you know a couple of young kids but Anyway, so we, we go back with him to his apartment, and he, he tells us on the way there. Again, really nice guy. And he tells us on the way there, look, I live with my girlfriend and whatever. You know, So she might be kind of weirded out. I have to You have to stay outside for a minute while I explain to her what's going on. And we're like, okay, thank you. No problem. Thank you. So he goes in, whatever. Comes back home, gets us a couple minutes later. He's like, comes in, introduces us to his girlfriend. She was like really nice looking too. I remember her being really nice looking, and Nick and I both being like, "Whoa, <laughs> <laughs> how you doing?" <laughs> yeah. And so uh, he's like, "All right, you guys, you guys can stay, you know, right here. You know, one of you has the couch, one of you has the floor, whatever. How if you guys want to do it? Here you go." And you know, he asked again what time the bus was coming. We checked our tickets. We told him. We showed him our tickets. He's like, "All right, I'll get you guys. We'll get get up early. I'll get you guys back to the bus stop." And you know, you get get you guys home. And you're like, okay, thank you very much. Thank you so much. We were scared to death still. I mean, like I said, really nice guy and everything. Every, he was awesome guy. But we we're obviously nervous. We're in a stranger's house. We don't know what the fuck's going on. Is this guy going to kill us? We don't know. So neither of us slept. We were both wide awake the entire time. And around probably 2 o'clock in the morning, there's a knock at his door. So we're like, oh, fuck. What's going on? What's going to happen? Because him and his girlfriend are awake this whole time. They're watching TV or whatever. They're doing something in the other room. We, we know they're awake. We can hear them. Mm-hmm. You, you give me the look. They weren't, I don't think they were having sex. If they were, it was very I was gonna quiet. I say, they were doing something all right. Doing, no, I, no not, not yet. So there's a knock at the door and he comes out and we pretend to sleep. But we're both kind of like, you know, one eye open kind of thing and watching. And it's another girl. 
another woman comes into the into the apartment, really attractive blonde. <laughs> so I'm like, me and Nick are kind of like looking at each other and, and like, what what's going on here? <laughs> and so he you know, he's like whispering and kind of quiet, whether we can't hear what they're saying. So we're we're, we're intrigued, but we're still kind of scared. Like, oh shit, what's going on? Are they whispering? Are they going to come jump on us and kill us? What's going? We don't know what's going on. So they go into the the bedroom, and that's when we hear everything. <laughs> yes, this awesome, fine, amazing gentleman who took us in with the kind soul was getting his freak on with two ladies, and the universe rewarded him <laughs> for his kindness. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Good for so, him. Yeah, right. So Nick and I are just sitting there, I, I and and we're looking at each other. And we're just like, I remember, I remember uh, looking at him, and he's looking at me, and he's got the the widest eyes. I'm sure I did too. And he's mouthing to me, "Holy shit!" <laughs> and and I'm looking at him. I'm going, "What?" And we're just b- both of us couldn't believe what we're hearing. And again, two like really attractive females like they were hot and yeah so we listened to them have some fun for a while and uh then they finally they finished up went to sleep whatever and yeah about 6 30 in the morning he comes out wakes us up and he's like i say wakes us up we were awake but you know he w- wakes us up mm-hmm. quote unquote and uh tells us all right guys time to get going so we like we got up i remember we got up we like folded his blankets for him and everything, put everything away. We thanked him a million times. We said bye to his girlfriend. We didn't see the blondes. She must have still been sleeping. <laughs> and uh, he, you know, got us in the car. And I remember he stopped at a Dunkin' Donuts, asked us if we wanted anything. We said, no, no, we're okay. Thank you. And um, took us to the bus stop, dropped us off. He's like, you guys, good luck. Take care. And we we're like, thank you. And that was, yeah. And so, <laughs> and then we, we get on the bus we get back home to Manchester, and remember this is before cell phones, so nobody we didn't have a cell phone, nothing like that. We had pay phones, and that was it. We get back to Manchester, and we're just thankful to be alive. And we ended up calling my mom, who flipped the fuck out because she had figured out the night before that I wasn't at his house, and his mom had figured out that he wasn't at my house, and and that was the other the other flaw in our plan. Our moms were best friends, so <laughs> we didn't think that, oh, maybe they're going to call each other at some point and just <laughs> check on us. Or She's calling, oh, how's Alex? Yeah. What yeah. do you mean, how's Alex? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, so that was the f- another flaw in our plan. Um, but why did you call your mom? Because our, oh, because our bikes got stolen. <laughs> yeah, our bikes that we had locked up at the bike stand in Manchester at the bus stop, our bikes got stolen. So we were tired it, it was january so we were very cold and we were hungry because we didn't really eat anything the the thought of walking home from the bus stop where where we were yeah it, it would have been awful. like like a two-hour walk it was yeah so we just we just called my mom she came she flipped flipped out on me on the phone understandably so and i remember just thinking my dad's gonna fucking kill me <laughs> My dad is going to beat the shit out of me. I'm dead. I remember looking at Nick and being like, it's nice knowing you, man. Thanks. This has been fun. Because I, th- I thought my father was going to kill me. So in that moment, you're you're getting chewed out by your mom. You yep. think your dad's going to kill you. Yeah. Did you stop and say, it was worth it? Or were you like, no, wasn't? Oh, yeah. It was worth it. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I said, that feeling I got sitting in the arena when the and I can't remember exactly the moment, what like what had happened, but I remember the feeling. And I want to say it was when Howard Finkel came out to hype up the crowd and get him ready for the for the show. It was sitting in there and feeling that energy. It's like, oh, this is amazing. There's nothing like it. And even to this day, there's nothing like that energy that you feel. So, yeah, no, it was definitely definitely worth it, of course. But uh, and your yeah. dad obviously didn't kill you. No, because you're da- here. Yeah, my this is the best part. So I'm d- afraid, deathly afraid, of my father is going to beat the shit out of me and kill me. And we get home, and my father is sitting at the kitchen table, and I I never forget this. So he looks up at me, he goes, "Are you all right?" I said, "Yeah, I'm just tired and hungry." And he goes, 
you went to the wrestling, didn't you? <laughs> and I said, yeah, how did you know? Because <laughs> he didn't, my mother didn't call him, to, you know, she just knew where we were. We didn't tell her anything. She's like, I'll be right there. Don't move. And she came and got us. I didn't tell, they didn't, I mean, we told her on the way home, obviously, but my father didn't know. I mean, he knew, but <laughs> he didn't know because anybody told him, but he figured it out. He figured it out because uh, he told me later that I had asked him when tickets first went on sale for the Rumble, I had asked him if we could get tickets and go. And he said, no, no, it's too expensive, whatever he said, or it's too far away. I think it was too far away. Uh, I said, okay. And I, I left it at that. I didn't push it any more than that. But he remembered, and he just figured that out. Oh, the the wrestling is tonight. That's probably where he is. He's at the wrestling. So, yeah, he knew. And and did he beat the shit at me? No. He just said, are you okay? And I said, yeah, just tired, hungry. And, and then he said, uh, okay, glad you're okay. How was the wrestling? <laughs> and uh, I looked at him and I said, it was awesome. <laughs> I mean, because it was, you know. Like, it was awesome. He said, okay, glad you're okay. And that was it. I didn't get yelled at. He didn't raise his voice. Nothing. My mother, on the other hand, holy shit. She was so pissed at me, so mad, screaming and yelling. I probably got smacked a few times, deserved every bit of it. And it's probably what your dad was like, Ash, she's got it. Yeah. <laughs> She'll take care of it. Yeah. I don't have to do anything. But, but I, I think I, <laughs> I, I think the worst, the worst of it, though, was my mom's best friend, Nick's mom. She didn't talk to me for maybe a year and a half, two years after that, would not look at me, wouldn't talk to me. When she'd come over our house and we'd go over their house, would not look at me, would not talk to me. I got and like the- she is so sweet. This woman is so friendly and she, like she just has this glowing spirit. She yeah. is so warm and kind and yep. friendly that yes. that's got to be just so painful. Yeah. Oh, it sucked. That was That was probably the worst. She, her giving me the cold shoulder, like ignoring me, not looking my way, wouldn't talk to me, nothing. And I would always say, hi, Tula, hi, how are you? I always try to, nope, nothing. I put up the fucking wall. I was like dead to her. And it was that was devastating. That was probably the hardest thing. Yeah, and it wasn't my mom, but she was like a second mom to me, but you know, it was like that was hard. I would have rather just gotten yelled at and smacked in the face. What she did was way, way worse, yeah. Because, you know, naturally, I'm the one that masterminded the whole thing. So You corrupted her baby. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. (laughs) You almost got him killed. Yeah, yeah, right? So that's, yeah, that was, that was, uh, that was my Royal Rumble story. But that was the first time I ever saw wrestling live. Like, we'd never gone to anything that was closer to home. We just never, I don't know if we, we just never, it just never happened. I don't know. We didn't really push the issue too much. We were fine watching on TV. Um, and like I said, my dad owned a restaurant, so he was always working. He was always at his restaurant. He was, so he was tired, you know, when he'd get home and stuff. It, it just never happened when we were kids. So I just took it upon myself to go and, uh, yeah. And look what happened. And look at me now. Wow. So that was your, I'm going to do this. I'm going to wrestle. After you graduated, you oh, pretty I mean, much. A- well, I mean, after, yeah, after, after I went to the rumble, it was just, I was, you know, I thought, I was obsessed with wrestling before it, it magnified it. It became even more. So when did you start looking for wrestling schools? Because uh, we know that you went to Body Slammers, but yeah, when did you start looking into that researching? I started probably right around ninety five. Is when I I started looking because I was still I was still in high school at the time, and there wasn't. I mean, there was an internet, obviously, but it wasn't what it is now. Mm-hmm. It was still AOL, dial-up, you know, that kind of thing. And there wasn't. it was still kind of a closed business. It wasn't what it is now where there's so many wrestling schools and so much information about mm-hmm. wrestling. It wasn't like that. I knew that there was a Killer Kowalski's wrestling school. I knew about that. But I wanted to see if there was anything else around either because I'd written letters to him just to get information and... Yeah, I think at the time he was training once a week mm. and I thought that that's it. Like, I, yeah. I, I, I kind of felt like this should be more than that. I mean, in, again, not knowing anything. I'm just a 
I'm a teenager. I don't know anything. Uh, what I ended up doing was I graduated high school. I did about a semester in college. All I did when I was in college, I would go to the library. I wouldn't work on projects or schoolwork. I was looking up stuff on their internet about pro wrestling and pro wrestling schools. That's all I did. Because I'm like, I got to figure out how to do this. Like, I got to do this. This is, I want to do this. I got to figure, there's got to be a way. There's got to be a way. Believe it or not, I didn't find anything on the internet about it. I actually looked in the back of a pro wrestling illustrated magazine. And there was a, a little, one of those little ads in the back uh, for a book called Inside Secrets on How to Get into the Exciting World of Professional Wrestling. It's like <laughs> the exact title. And it was by Dennis Brent and Percy Pringle, who mm-hmm. was Paul Bearer. And so I ordered that book. It was 15 bucks plus shipping and handling. It was like six to eight weeks, you know, to get it. And so I waited. Like I, I sent it out and I waited every day. I mean, I sent it out on a Saturday, right, for the for the Kind of like how I book. feel when I order my mini eggs. I'm just waiting for <laughs> yeah, them to exa- come yeah, in. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, I was, I, I sent, I, I put my thing in the mail. And like the next day I'm checking the mail. It's like the, the, the freaking check hasn't even gotten to them yet, you know. But I'm, I was like that excited and that anxious to get that book. And I got that book and I opened it up. And, and it, I say book, it was like maybe 20 pages. It like was, a thin magazine? It was like a, th- yeah. It, I still have it downstairs. I'll, I'll show it to you later. I remember just looking at that and reading like the first couple pages and just being like, there's, there's words for good guys and there's words for bad guys. <gasps> it was like this revelation like, what? What's going on? And yeah, and in, at the back, in the very back of the book, they had like an index of all pro wrestling schools in the United States with the names, addresses, the names of the trainers, phone numbers. Oh, I'm sorry, no, they weren't any phone. It was just addresses. They didn't put phone numbers in there. So I wrote a letter to every single one. Uh, and they even had WWF and WCW. They had like the offices and they had all the addresses there. So I wrote to everybody and I just said, I want to become a professional wrestler. And I got letters back from everybody except for the WWF. Even WCW sent me back mm-hmm. a letter. And I remember the WCW letter, I think I still have that one, uh, was it was on their letterhead and it was like three lines and it was... Uh, you have to be uh, at least six foot two and two hundred twenty five pounds in order to train to become a professional wrestler, and that was it. Like that was like that one line, and I'm just like, okay. Not even a <laughs> thank you for your interest. It, it might it might have had a thank you. It was like literally like one or two lines, but that was the the info in there, and I'm just like, okay, all right. Well, fuck, well, they must feel pretty well, stupid now. Well, fuck <laughs> WCW. <laughs> Guess I'm not going there. And look uh, where they are. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I just, I wrote to every wrestling school. The the one that wrote me back that I thought was the best fit for me was the one that I ended up going to, which was uh, Al Snow's Body Slammers Wrestling Gym in Lima, Ohio. Which was haunted. Which was haunted. Yep. See episode. Episode three. Three for that story. So, yeah, that's, that was it. Yeah. I just, I, I wrote to him. Uh, he sent me back a package with all the information, how much it would cost and everything. And I didn't have the money for it right then and there. So I ended up working three jobs uh, in order to save money uh, to go. And that's what I did. And I worked my three jobs. I went to the gym every day. Uh, I tried to eat as right as I could for what I knew about diet and exercise and stuff back then. And yeah, I did it. I I, I did it. <laughs> And I'm so glad you did. Yeah, me that's too. that's how we met. Me too. I, I got to tell you, I, and we'll save this for another episode, but uh, I made some of the best friends uh, in my life um, in pro wrestling. And I met some of the greatest people in uh, because of pro wrestling. I met, I met you because of pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. It, it was, I never got to the level that most people aspire to get to. And again, that was a lot my own choice. I, but again, we, we'll get more into this uh, in another episode. But it was it was awesome. I like I love pro wrestling. I love the business of pro wrestling. I love the brotherhood of it, the camaraderie. Yeah, it was. I, I don't regret anything. When I first went to Chaotic Training Center, I just wanted to learn how to do moves. And it's funny because they were like, well, it's it's not going to be what you think. I thought you just go, you learn how to do things, you learn moves. I didn't know there were independent wrestling shows. I was like, what? Oh, they're like, yeah, go check out a show. I'm like, there are shows? Huh? I had no idea. 
and I went to a show and even just a chaotic wrestling show. The crowd was going crazy. They loved it. Watching as a mom, watching these little kids acting the way I acted when I was little watching wrestling. I thought that was so great. Then having going to training, but then going to shows and learning what it's really about. Yeah, it's totally different. It's not a, oh, you just go to wrestling school, you learn how to do moves and you go work shows. It's it's its own culture. And like for me, chaotic wrestling became a family. And it's just, it was so different and it wasn't at all what I expected, but I loved it. And I met you. I've met people who I will probably love until the day I die because they're such amazing people. And I'm so thankful and I feel so fortunate that I had that opportunity to get to that school and to meet all the wonderful people there. Yeah. Wrestling. One of the biggest reasons I got into wrestling and I, oh, it wasn't because I wanted to be rich or famous. I, would I have like scoffed at that? No. Obviously, you know, if, if it would have happened, it would have happened. But one of the ma- main reasons why is because I wanted to make people feel the way that I felt when I watched wrestling. Mm-hmm. How excited I got, how angry I got. I wanted to be able to do that. And, to bring out that emotion and, and and bring that out of people the way that it was brought out of me when I was a kid that was and honestly like that's all I wanted to do and I everything I did was in order to get that kind of a reaction from people that was why I got into it um, I just always appreciated the I just I just like I said I just wanted to make people feel the way I felt because it was so powerful it had such an impact on me and I, I, I just I wanted to do that for other people. That was it. But uh, I tell you what, uh, you got anything else you want to uh, add? Because we're coming up on we are on probably one of our longest episodes yet. Yeah, I think there are definitely so many stories to tell that we're gonna have to have other episodes. I mean, you need to talk about when you went to Puerto Rico. All those stories. Oh God, yeah. Uh, we can talk about working together in chaotic wrestling. There's so many stories that we have to tell, but why don't we wrap it up here? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so thank you everybody for listening to us. I know this was kind of an all over the place kind of episode. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we went in a bunch of different directions talking about wrestling. Um, but thank you very much for listening. And uh, we definitely appreciate any feedback, any comments, any questions you have that you want us to answer, anything you want us to talk about please feel free to reach out to us on our Twitter at homewreckerpod uh, or on Instagram at homewreckerpodcast or um, our website www.homewreckerpodcast.com hit us up on any one of those platforms and yeah we'd definitely love to hear from you and uh, we're going to do it now I'm going to I'm going to ask you if you like what you hear please go ahead to iTunes and give us a five star rating and review we would really appreciate it pretty please if you see me i'll give you a big hug yeah and she will too (laughs) i will uh but on that note we're gonna wrap it up and um i have been the golden greek alex arion and his lovely trophy wife monique and thank you very much you've been listening to the homewrecker podcast